Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I finally have the one, the only father of nine, father of nine, Christopher Voss is joining us today. Stay with us. You guys want to hear this dude's story. It's going to be amazing. Looks like you're mute. Oh, there you are. I, I, I just brought just brought you on. <laughs> I was getting nervous. Couldn't hear you there for a second. I saw the little mute button. I'm like, uh-oh. Today is Tech Challenge Monday. So, hey, we've had a couple of little technical glitches this morning, but we're through all of that. And um, now we're going to rock and roll. And we've already got some amazing rock stars on. Ben Rowe. Doug Kuzma, who's going by an alias name because Facebook hates him. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. So so hey, listen, man. I'm I'm very grateful um to call you a friend. I'm very grateful to have you um on the show. I, I'll tell you, I we met, gosh, it was on Clubhouse about Maybe five or six months ago. February, like February, March, maybe right when Clubhouse started. Right when Clubhouse started coming out. So that was what, about Feb, March? Well, I think it had been around for a while, but then it hit it hit a, a peak and took off. At, I'm sorry, at, you're right. November, yeah. December, maybe it was. Yeah, but I, I yeah, it, nonetheless, we met in a in a clubhouse room and um you came in and poured your heart out and and um, then Glenn Morshower and I roasted you for the next hour or so. I'm kidding. We 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 enjoyed ch chatting with you. And and dude, you are um, the father of nine children. Um, really, ab go. absolutely incredible. And and you are. Um, I mean, I I've been called the plug, the connector. Like I, I'm, I'm really, really good at, at, at connecting people. Right. You, on the other hand, like I, I, so I'm just going to tell the story before, before I get into your story, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to, so, so one day I get a knock at the front door and there is somebody delivering I don't even know how many like cases and cases and cases of what was it, the lemonade clubs or, or Canada dry ginger ale lemonade flavor. There you go. That cases of it and two liter bottles of it. And I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I say there were, there was enough there to, to like the whole neighborhood could have had some and I still would have had some to last a long time. So, um, you know, dude, you, um, somehow tracked me down 
and had somebody deliver that stuff to me at, with a note saying thank you. And, and I, dude, it blew me away. Absolutely blew me away. I will never forget you as a result of that. And, and so I finally have you on here to tell your story, man. And, and I'm excited about that. So why don't you start with telling everybody where you were born and raised? And do you go by Chris? You go by Chris, don't you? Yeah, so I have a junior that goes by Chris. So okay. I go by I go. So when we had the junior, I I, I upgraded to Christopher, um, <laughs> and uh, so we have a Chris, and that's my son, Junior. And so I go yeah. by Christopher. So he doesn't go by Junior. He doesn't go by Junior. Yeah, I don't think he ever wanted that title, and I don't want to go by Senior. You know, right? So I was no. like, yeah, I'm going Christopher. Or, right. or, or better known as Mr. ROR would be completely appropriate, you know, if, right. if, if we want to go that route. <laughs> right, right. So, so uh, tell everybody where you were born and raised. Look, there's Kathy Rickley. Uh, I love, I love her. She's amazing. She's yeah, I've got amazing. my, I got my glass of water here just in case I get a little choked up. Okay. Occasionally I get something caught in my throat and, uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Sorry, I need the water. Okay, now I can talk. <clears throat> Good. Where am I from? Okay. Where are you from? Where were you born and raised? So I was born in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And oh. uh, Ann Arbor... I was just born there. I, oh, I'm okay. not. I'm not a University of Michigan fan. Uh, I just happened to be born in the city of Ann Arbor. Um, I, I grew up uh, in a little town, uh, not a little town, a suburban town called Plymouth, and that's about 30 miles east of Ann Arbor, going towards Detroit. So, okay. really, I'm dead smack in between of Ann Arbor, University of Michigan, Ann Arbor. A lot of people know that geographically, and then Detroit. So we're right dead smack in the middle. And great thing about it. Being from Michigan, you can point where you live. So yeah. I'm about right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I spent a lot of time in East Lansing because I went to Michigan State University for college. And so Michigan's been my home. Uh, I've always lived here. I've never lived anywhere else. And um, my wife is from Toledo. So a little, you know, down here, she came from your neck of the woods. She's an yeah. Ohio gal. She and must be really smart. She, she is. She is. She <laughs> definitely is. And my, it matter my wife is very smart. She got accepted to Brown University wow. of Michigan. Uh, you know, any any of those Ivy League college. She's a really smart gal. So yes. So wow. my wife's from Ohio, and um, I'm from Michigan. So that's where I'm from. So you were you were you were born in Ann Arbor. Um, you you were raised in Michigan. Is that where you went to school and? high school and all that was yep, when, yep went to high school uh right, right in my hometown with the high school there um i was a i was a spartan you know there's pictures of me when i was a little kid with a little michigan state sweatshirt on uh, always had a dream of being a spartan uh, my my grandfather went there my mom went there um you know i just it was it was the, my dream of always going there so yeah so went to high school here and then went up to east lansing and attended michigan state university and went there for a year and uh, after being at school for a year, um, we're uh, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Those of you who are familiar with those young men that go on missions for two years, 
I uh, put my papers in, went on a mission, and got called to serve in California, Southern California. Um, wow. I was outside of, I was near San Bernardino, um, also near LA and Hollywood and those different areas. I was up in the high desert. So I served a mission in California for two years, and then I got home and returned to Michigan State and continued my education. And that's where I met my lovely wife. She went to Michigan State? She, yeah, my wife was at BYU, but her parents, her, her mom had died of cancer, uh, and I never got to meet uh, Gloria. And then her dad had multiple sclerosis. So, you know, wow. she was a young lady that had sick parents her whole life. So when she was out west going to Brigham Young University, it was just too far away from home. So yeah. thank goodness she came home, went, decided to go to Michigan State at the same time I got home. Thank goodness she did, or these nine kids wouldn't be here. Uh, we would have been both been married to someone else. So she came to Michigan State at the same time I got home from my mission. And we met, fell in love, got married, wow. nine kids later. Wow. Um, so, but don't isn't there some sort of a, a tie that you have to Ohio State or something? Yes, there is a really great tie. And, you know, uh, quick comment on my wife. It's not too, you, you mentioned the large family and lots of kids. Yeah. Not, now, the number was 10. And, um, you know, we did get there, but my wife had a really bad miscarriage and, and we lost that baby. Mm. So after that, we were like, this is too risky. We no more kids. Um, yeah. But it's not often that you can find two people that meet, fall in love and both want the same number of kids. She wanted 10. I wanted 10. So we're like, man, this is pretty good. We got two people on the same number of kids. So wow. not, too, not too often that happens, but uh, the Ohio state thing. So my, my, we're a big sports family heavily into football and wrestling. Uh, my daughter was a swimmer and my son played football in high school with a guy by the name of young man, by the name of Michael Jordan, not the Michael Jordan from the hey. Bulls. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my son played center and uh, Michael was a guard. So they played together in high school and uh, Michael was getting, he's uh, six kids, six, seven, just huge. And uh, my son's about 6'4", and uh, my son got injured uh, last game of his sophomore year. And uh, it was a bummer because his friend's getting looks from colleges. He's getting looksies, but uh, he had a spinal cord injury, and that mm. ended his football career. So we kind of lived vicariously through Michael and his experience. He was heavily recruited. He had a bucket that you would fit a Christmas tree in, that you put your Christmas tree in, bucket filled with letters and offers from every college that you could think of around the country. Wow. And uh, he wanted to go play for Urban Meyer at Ohio State. And so the cool thing was, is there were several visits that his, there's a couple of visits his dad couldn't take him because he was out of town on vacation uh, or no, not vacation. He was out of town on business. And so I took Michael for some of his uh, recruiting visits. Wow. And I got to tell you, it's like, if you've ever flown private ever, and then you have to fly commercial again, you're like, this is horrible. Uh, <laughs> right. Going to a football game as a regular ticket holder versus going to a football game with a recruit in sitting 50 yard line row two. Uh, of course, because of NCAA rules, you have to pay for things. You know, they right, give you, yeah. you got to pay for your lunch and everything, but 
going into a private room and having a catered lunch and hanging out with all the coaches and sitting in the best seats and going out on the field before the game and going out at halftime and going, I mean, just. So, well, yeah. and, and that brings up something and we, I, I won't, we won't go too far down this rabbit hole, but I think it's wrong. I think the students should be compensated for playing. And the reason I say that is the NCAA makes so much freaking money. It's ridiculous. And they're making it off the hard work in the backs of those kids out there breaking their necks and arms and legs anyway so that's just my my opinion we'll we'll stop there <laughs> i'll agree with you on that one because i had a lot of friends in college that were basketball players yeah and how they kept this schedule of training and practice and school and i mean it just yeah, yeah. It, i i and then people are like well they do get paid they get paid by their free education come on man come up with something better than that <laughs> anyway so um so so you went to now what did you study at michigan state so i was a communication at first uh, you know for of course you're like i don't know what i'm gonna do so you spend you know ten thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars of your parents money doing credit hours of not knowing what in the world you're gonna do right. uh, but then finally figured it out so i majored in marketing uh it was a communications major uh marketing and uh, advertising uh, was okay. what my major was. So, you know, that gave me a little bit of a base regarding communications, marketing and things like that. So that was my major. Okay. So, um, you, you get out of college, you're, are you married when you, did you, I'm assuming you graduated college. Yes, I graduated. So I got, so when I got home from my mission, I got married, I got engaged in four months. I got married nine months later. I mean, my okay. wife and I, we yeah. knew this was, this is a deal. Let's go for it. And so I was married, finishing up school. And eventually you get to the point where you're like, holy crap. Uh, I had, we had started our family. Uh, I think I had two kids and I still wasn't done with college. I'm like, man, I got to get done because I got to start making some money because I got yeah. kids. And so I finished up really fast. So when I graduated from Michigan state, I had two children at the time. And um, what's interesting, Ken, is when I was looking for a job, see my father-in-law was disabled to the point that he needed to move out of his house and move into an assisted living center. And then my wife had a sister that was in eighth grade. So here's the interesting thing. A lot of, not wow. a lot of people know this about wow. me, but I had my own two kids, little ones, and then we moved to Ohio to Toledo so that she could move in with us. So I had my two kids and then my sister-in-law who was finishing eighth grade, she moved in with us. So we got an instant teenager uh, because Blair, Jennifer's father, was sick to the point where he needed to be in assisted living. So we bought his house, but we didn't want my sister-in-law to be uprooted and have to leave and come and be with us in Michigan. So we went wow. to Ohio. So when I was looking for a job when I got out of college, I was looking in Ohio, like Toledo. All my buddies are looking around the country yeah. for jobs everywhere, and I'm looking in Toledo, Ohio for a job. So that, that was a really narrowed market. <laughs> so, excuse me. So you, you were what? 24, 23, 20, 20, I was a 20, 20. Yeah. When we moved down there, I was about 23, 24 years old. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, that's a pretty big, um, responsibility. 
um, to take on at 23, 24 years old. Um, and, and, and literally lim like for anybody that doesn't know and no offense to anybody in Toledo, but Toledo's kind of the armpit of Ohio. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's, it's not, it, it's, it's, there's just, it's industry is dying there. And, and so trying to find a job at 23, 24 years old with in marketing or advertising had to be challenging. Well, we went look, to look what challenge. my wife just said. <laughs> she says, Well, Jennifer's I know Jennifer's not watching this right now. She'll probably watch the replay though, and she'll still love you. But no. Sorry, Jennifer. Toledo, Toledo is a big small town. Yeah. And th there was there was a lot of I mean, it was basically held up by Libby a glass, Libby Glass, yeah, or uh Owens Corning and uh, also Dana. Uh, Dana Corporation, and then then they had the home of the mud hens, uh, yeah, yeah, Toledo mud hens. But uh, yeah. you know, I always knew. So Jamie Farr, who was from that from Toledo, that was on Mash, Mash. as Clinger. Yeah. yeah, he used to always talk about this restaurant called Tony Paco's, and raved about it. And then I ended up marrying a gal from Toledo, and then we used to eat at Tony Paco's all the time. But Jamie Farr. You know, being from Toledo, I kind of knew a little bit about it. But here's the interesting thing. We used to drive to Toledo, Ken. My parents would take my brother and I, and we would drive to Toledo and eat at Mancy's Steakhouse and all these really cool restaurants because they had the biggest crab legs anywhere. And so I kind of grew up going to Toledo, eating with my parents at restaurants. And then lo and behold, I was going to meet a Toledo gal and, uh, and marry wow. her. But Kind of, is that still there that restaurant Mancy's steakhouse is still there they and they have four other restaurants they have an italian restaurant they have a barbecue place wow. uh, so the Mancy's restaurant empire has grown into multiple restaurants and there's still amazing places to eat in ohio um or in toledo uh super super great restaurants well, well that's about probably about halfway for both of us, we need to just meet up there and, and, and eat at one of these. I'm not buying for all nine of your kids, however. No, I'll just come by myself. It'll just be me. We'll get doggy bags, doggy bags for them. Yeah. Yeah. When we go out to dinner, we can't go to McDonald's without it costing like 85 bucks. I mean, McDonald's is like, I can't, I can't imagine, man. I like, that's gotta be like your, your food bill has gotta be insane. We, we, we have a kitchen, we have a grocery store in the basement, which we call our pantry storage. And then we have the normal stuff upstairs. And we have that as backup because when you have kids, when you got boys that are wrestling, playing football, uh, active kids, yeah, they definitely eat a lot of food. So uh, during the pandemic, I'm just going to say when you saw DoorDash stock go up, that was as the result of the Voss family because we kept them extremely busy. Oh my lord, have mercy! So I'll bet, man. I I can't like door a DoorDash order's got to cost at minimum a couple hundred dollars. Oh 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 yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we signed up right away for like the Dash Pass because yeah. you know, so you get free delivery. Um, and although we learned there's a couple restaurants that 
they're on DoorDash, but then they don't associate, and then you get charged all these huge fees. We got Chinese yeah. food one night, and we're like, this Chinese food costs like $80. I'm like, this is Chinese food. This is all we got? And there was all these fees that they added on to it. But, uh, yeah, so DoorDash is – yeah, we yeah. we definitely uh, – we have a high food bill. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm sure. So, so you um, – so you moved to Toledo. Did you find a job in Toledo? I did. And, you know, so my wife and I were in Lansing and we're like, okay, look, we have to go to Toledo and do two things. We have to find a job and we have to find a place to live. And we all have to do that this weekend, you know, we, when we went down. So we went down to Toledo. I set up some interviews um, and I set up an interview at a radio station. Uh, there was a radio station cluster down there and they still here, by the way. Yeah, I, I got you. Um, the radio station cluster had about five radio stations. And I was interviewing to be an account executive so that I would go out and sell airtime to local advertisers to advertise on the radio stations. So I had what was called a power interview. They had the sales managers for every radio station was in the room, all five stations. Mm -hmm. And they interviewed me at once, along with the director of sales that was in there, too, as well. And they interviewed me, got my background. The guy that worked for the rock station, which was WIOT, he goes, you know what? I'm going to tap out. Based on your resume, I see I see Jesus on your resume. Um, church Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, you served Mission Free Church. I just know that you're not going to sell for our station. And, I, and he goes, and so he started to explain to me some of the things they do on Friday and Saturday nights at some of the bars. And I won't even go into the names of some of these events and what they did. So he goes, you know, I'm going to tap out. You you just would not be comfortable selling for my station. So he left. And then there's this old station. And, and I'm like, well, who else is going to leave? Um, but they <laughs> had to have a radio station called The River, which was they had a they had a uh, clean and safe policy, meaning they yeah. won't offend a soccer mom. And the guy goes, you fit perfectly for me. I'd like to offer you a job. So I walked out of there with a job that I thought I was making I thought it was Richie Rich uh, coming out of there. Right. And we went over to an apartment complex, found an apartment. Uh, you know, I didn't have any credit history. Uh, just had my first job out of college. The woman in the office, I think, felt sorry for us. And um, so we got an apartment. And the reason we got the apartment is because we still hadn't done the transition of moving my wife's father out of the house and buying his house. So we had to go to an apartment first. Right. So, yeah, so we got it. We Mission accomplished. We went home that week. Uh, that weekend we went home on Sunday and I had a job and we had a place to stay. So mission and, and your, your wife was, was not looking for like, she wasn't going to work outside of the home. She, was, she, uh, she wanted to stay home with the kids. She wanted to be a stay at home mom. Yeah. And so I was going to be the, the full bread, the sole breadwinner. And, um, you know, that hence nine kids. Uh, she, but, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I was the one. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, so you, you then ended up in, in Toledo working for a radio station, the river. There's a, there's a, my wife listens to a, a station down here called the river. It's a Christian radio station. Yeah. Yeah. Down here somewhere. 101.5 the river. I think that's the, I think that's the same if Jill, if you're still watching, confirm. Um, but anyway, so um, she probably hung up after I said what I said about Toledo. That's terrible. Yeah. Sorry. Is she from Toledo? No. 
She's from somewhere way worse, Erie, Pennsylvania. <laughs> you just you definitely lost some watchers now. They're just, they're just dropping off. It'd just be like, yeah, your your Toledo and Erie, Pennsylvania market just went down to zero. <laughs> oh, it's one of four point nine. She's uh, she is gonna she's gonna blast me on the the Erie. So so um. So you were so you started s selling because that's exactly what they teach in marketing and advertising degrees is how to sell. <laughs> she said, "Wow, doghouse." Yeah. 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 So so you can call me. <laughs> yeah. What? So what? Um, how did that go for you? Well, when you start out as an account executive at a brand new radio station, normally. There's account executives that have lists. These are the yeah. guys that have been there for five and 10 years, and they've got like Kroger, they've got the grocery store accounts and the hospitals. And, you know, these guys are driving nice cars, making bank um, because they've been there for so long and they've gained all these accounts. And so the thing is, they called it account tagging. So it's called a lead sheet. So if you found out a new business that was coming to town, you filled out a lead sheet, you put the time in the right-hand corner and you put it in the sales manager's box. Yeah. And there was a guy that I worked with and he was really good. Like he would go to planning commission meetings, uh, building commission meetings for the city and sit in the back and find out, oh, Eagle Grocery Store is coming to Toledo. They're applying for permits and going before the planning commission. So he would right. write down. So I would compete with him, but my lead, I had the phone book. I, I took the phone book and I dropped it on my desk and just opened up the phone book and went to the, the yellow page ads and I would just go down through and that's, I would call on a business and ask them if I could come out and see them. So it was, it was whole, it was cold calls after cold calls after cold calls. And, um, I didn't get a list. I had to, I had to develop and build my own list. So that's how I did, but I was very successful at, I mean, I'd spent two years knocking on doors for my church and right. be like, get off my property you know, sicking dogs on me. So at least when I called on Ed Schmidt Chevy, I didn't have to worry about a Doverman being let right. out in the yard to chase me out of his business. So right. it was a little bit easier. A little bit. Yeah. Just a tad. So I, and I think um, I, I, I've, I've said it. I think that every kid in America needs to go door to door selling something before they decide on what they're going to do with it. I think it's, I think I, I, just my opinion, I think we're, we're, we're off base sending young kids to college, telling them to choose what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. Just, just my opinion, only my opinion. Um, so I, I do think though, that if, if you go out and you knock on doors, man, there's quite the education behind that. You, you grow up really, really fast. And then, and the other thing, you got to be self-motivated. I mean, no one's there telling you, hey, you got to go do this. I mean, you could literally sit around the apartment all day and pick your nose if you wanted to. Eventually, someone's going to be like, hey, get off your butt and go do something. Or if right. your companion that you're with is like, dude, come on, let's go. Right. Um, so, and it, you learn about rejection really fast. And, uh, you know, yeah, it is, it is really a, a nice opportunity to be, kind of find yourself and, and yeah. grow up. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, so how long did you stay at the radio station? So I was there for 
th- I was there for about three years, and then um, my father-in-law, uh, multiple sclerosis, uh, finally took its toll on him, and uh, he mm. had, he had passed away. Um, you want to talk about a guy that just uses every? I mean, MS just takes over your body, and you just slowly lose movement until and he just used i mean the guy would take apart trains with one hand down to the bushing this is incredible um wow. incredible incredible example to me but yeah he, he passed away and my sister-in-law graduated from high school so we had no ties in toledo anymore and um at the time um my parents needed some help uh relationship wise and so my wife and i felt that we needed to move back to help them and yeah. uh, so my sister-in-law was going off to college. And so my wife and I are, let's go back to your roots. How about your mom and dad? So now again, I'm like, okay, I'm not looking around the whole country for a job. I'm looking for a radio station job in Detroit now. And uh, so I, I landed at a very big AM station, a 50,000 watt blowtorch of a station, WJR, major heritage. Uh, it was It was like landing the best dream job of any radio station. It was fantastic. And, uh, so I got a job there Wow! and started working there and, uh, had a good experience, made a lot of relationships, uh, some really popular, uh, radio hosts and whatnot. And, uh, so then I was selling there and then I was reading, uh, rich dad, poor dad. And my friend was reading Napoleon Hill, think and grow rich, or maybe it was the other way around, whatever it was, we read the books and swapped. And then I was like, Hey, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and go start my own business. And so told my wife, Hey, this is what we're going to do. Are you on board? She said, yes. Borrowed money from my parents, which was not enough money of a loan. We all make that mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I think you could live on this much. Uh, borrowed some money from my parents, uh, read, uh, put my two weeks in and started an advertising agency. And uh, that was my next step. And how old were you at this point? At that point, I was 26, if I remember, 26. And how many kids? At that time, probably four. Probably oh. about four. Probably okay. about four kids. Four going on five, maybe. Wow. Um, <clears throat> at 26. Wow. <laughs> so, I'm, so I'm probably getting those ages and dates wrong, but if my wife was on here, she could make comments like your wife is making comments, but we're in the ballpark. Yeah. So, so you um, decided to start your own advertising agency. That's not, um, that's not an easy thing to do. It wasn't. <laughs> so how did it go? You know, I told you, you know, I borrowed money from my parents, basically a loan to start my business. And that was money to live on and start my business. Yeah. And, you know, that money dries up really fast because you way undershoot what you think you need. And um, I started, you know, the bedroom, one of the bedrooms in the house was my office. And I remember several times my wife would come in and sit on the floor. Uh, and bust bust in the tears, thinking, "How in the world are we going to pay for our bills?" You know, we you don't have any client, you don't have any advertising clients. Yeah, um, those are hard moments. And then you know, you pick up a client, and uh, then you pick up another client, another client, and then things start to really spin. The problem was, is the national recession happened in August of two thousand eight, and yep. 
I started my business um, around 04-ish, and Michigan had already started to go into a recession. Uh, Michigan, 04, 05, 06, uh, 07, Michigan was deeply going into a recession because, you know, Michigan is very tied to the big three. Uh, we're automotive state and city. And yep. so when the automotive companies are struggling, having issues selling cars and whatnot, the whole state suffers. And so Michigan was going into a recession and then the rest of the country caught up in 08, uh, August of 08. So the only reason I tell you that is business was really good. I mean, I was worked really hard, had a lot of clients and uh, people, you know, as an agency, you made 15% commission on all your media buys. So right. if someone spends a million dollars on advertising, you get 50, the station gives you 15% commission of that. So that all starts to add up. And then you've got creative costs where, you know, you're, you're doing t writing TV commercials and radio commercials and newspaper ads, and those are all creative fees. So what yeah. happened was I had a really good, strong business, but then the recession hit really hard in Michigan. And so the first thing that people cut is their advertising. I mean, they're worried about how am I going to do my 941 payroll taxes? How am I going to pay my employees? Yeah. So they cut their advertising. So you got someone that spends a million to spend a hundred thousand in advertising. And you do the math on that. You multiply that by times clients, you know, that's a negative millions of dollars in cash flow. Right. Um, but as an entrepreneur, See, Robert Kiyosaki wrote a book called Before You Quit Your Job, but yeah. he wrote that one maybe four or five after the first Rich Dad Poor Dad book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> would have been nice if we written that one first. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> but he yeah. didn't. Right. So yeah. the, the tough thing was is, you know, you throw as much equity as an entrepreneur. I mean, I, I look at it, Ken, like an airplane. You know, you're flying along. You're like, hey, we lost an engine. Well, that's right. We got a second engine. All right. We lost our second engine. That's okay. We'll glide. Okay. Right. We, you know, we lost our rudder. Well, that's right. We'll use the ailerons and the, and the, you know, whatever to adjust it. And, like, right. and then, Oh, one of our wings fell off. That's right. We still have another wing. Oh, the other wing fell off. That's all right. Uh, you know, and then you catch on fire and you're like, well, all right, well, <laughs> when we land, we'll, we'll bounce on the ground and bounce into a lake and that will put the fire out. And then right. We'll, the lake is full of alligators. Well, uh, okay, well, we'll take all the leftover food that we didn't feed the passengers and we'll distract them with that. And right. I mean, you just think of one thing after another to survive, survive, survive. Yeah. And so um, I'm kind of getting ahead before your question, but I'm sure you're probably going to ask it. Um, so I had five kids at the time Jeez. and five, maybe going on six. And the state was in a recession, negative cash flow out the wazoo. And I had to close my business and I lost everything. I mean, I, I am that classic story of, you know, we lost it all, lost our house, lost cars. I mean, we lost everything uh, and had to cut everything. And that was really difficult when you got five children, maybe six on the way and you lost everything. And so that was that was a growth time going through that. It was very, very, very difficult. Um, now in 20 what 10 11 9? uh it was, it was 08 08 oh 08, eight and nine so you went down fast yeah i mean it was when the when the national recession hit and banks pulled all of their equities and no, yep. even a business with good credit that paid all of their bills and loans on time um you know i knew business owners that called their cfos and said take 
every dollar that you can line of credit today, like drain, bring it all. You know, if you had a million dollar line of credit, bring it over right now. Yeah. Uh, and I know several business guys that did that. And it was good because banks went in and said, your lines of credit. I know you paid on time. You paid your million dollar loan back. We're not going to loan you any more money. And we're taking all those back. So it was yeah. it was really a crazy time. I mean, you would drive through neighborhoods in Michigan and there were eight homes empty foreclosed. It looked like a ghost. I mean, some neighborhoods were like a ghost town. It was really. I, I, I'm, yeah. I, I hey, I went through it. We went through it as well. I, I don't know how we made it. I, honestly, my wife and I have looked back and gone, how, how did we eat? How did we buy toilet paper I, during that time? There, you know, we went to her mom and had had to borrow toilet, literally toilet paper and paper towels. Like it was, it was crazy. So. Yeah, it, that was a um, that was a tough time. So you you um, you lost everything, and and I'm very familiar with the 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 feeling of humiliation. Oh my gosh, look at this! Look who we've got on here, Robbie. <laughs> Robbie, so that guy needs to get some energy, though. Is what I'm thinking. <laughs> And I know you're totally kidding about that because Robbie's <laughs> awesome. The guy's, oh, he's got like, more. In, I've never met anybody like him. Just take take like a tube from him, stick it in him, and then take the tube and stick <laughs> it in your arm. Be like, ah, all right, I'm good. I can I keep know, going. I know. <laughs> so, so, so you, um, so you, you, you lost everything. You, you're humiliated. You're, you know, um, you lost your house. You said. So what did you do? I mean, where, where did you, I mean, you had five kids, maybe you said maybe a sixth one on the way. I mean, where, where did you, where'd you go? How did you figure it out? Yeah. Uh, so we, luckily my wife was talking with someone at church and she talked about how we all of a sudden they had to move, they had to move. He worked for, he was an air traffic controller and um, they were, you know, I mean, the government was doing all sorts of shutdown. I mean, there was all sorts of weird things going on then. Yeah. So he had to take a job in another city like the next day. And they had this new house that they had just bought. So turning around and selling it was absolutely next to impossible, especially at that time, how the market was. Yeah. Um, so they needed someone to rent their house. And um, so we worked out a deal. Uh, and it's the home that we live in right? that I'm this is my office basement. We're still here. And so we started renting uh, from them wow. so we had a place to go. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of our, our church was very helpful to us uh, in that period of time. Um, and so that was a blessing to us. And having a wife that. Um, that's uh, so supportive, um, you know, I mean, I was going through a lot. But yeah. for your wife, I mean, she's the one having to stand by. And I'm sorry to get emotional about it, but, you know, she's the one standing by watching everything go up in flames and um, just having somebody there to support you and to help you get through it and to encourage you that this is only a period of time. We'll get through this. Um, it was uh, that was hard. Yeah. Wow. You don't have to say sorry, man. That's 
that's it's 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 good man it's good to talk about this people need to hear this because you know we we um you know we look at instagram or facebook or all these social media and it's like you know people are painting this picture of of everything's perfect and and the the truth is is it's not and we all go through that stuff all i i remember I remember walking out and uh, in our driveway, and and a tow truck was out there, and and he's like, "I'm here to pick up the car," and I'm like, "It's in the garage," and he goes, "Yeah, I need you to open that." I said, "That's not gonna happen," <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Well, you have to open it. And let me confirm that it's there." I said, "Go around the back and look in the window. You can confirm <laughs> that way, dude." I ain't opening that door. You are not getting the car, bro. <laughs> but have a nice day. <laughs> Catch you another time. Yeah. I'll yeah. meet you at the yeah. corner. Hey, yeah. You ain't getting this car. But you know, I, I think that 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 people need to know that that's real life, man. And and it's okay. It's okay. And that that it's okay to um ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. That's the hardest thing for me, man, is swallowing my pride and saying, you know, I don't have the answers. <laughs> like, right. Because we're supposed, as men, we're supposed to have all the answers to take care of our families, you know. And, and you have, at that point, you had five, six kids, uh, you know. I, I mean, dude, that's crazy. You had half a basketball team. Yeah, and they all need stuff. I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, your wife holds up a pair of shoes and goes, you know, and she sticks her hand in it, and the and the finger comes out the toe, and you're like, um, but you know, luckily we had a lot of, you know, my mom was extremely helpful and supportive. Yeah, I just lost you lost your audio, lost your audio. Nope, still gone. No, no audio. Definitely no. Nope. Testing one, two, three. Okay, we got you back. Sorry about that. It's that little short problem that we're going to fix. Uh, so that doesn't happen. So, um, yeah, my mom was very helpful and uh, got a lot of help. And one of the clients that I had, a, a, that was one of my clients at the agency, hired me to... Um, work for him full-time as his director of marketing. And so I started there. And so that, that was the landing place for me. Now it wasn't, it wasn't at the scale of income that we were used to for a family of our size. Um, and so, you know, there was still a lot of adjustment, but at least it was income. It was yeah. something that was coming in, um, you know, health benefits. I mean, when you got five kids, they're always breaking something, cutting something, and yeah. you know medical bills can add up really fast if you don't have uh, health insurance. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was able to get a job as the director of marketing for one of my clients, and I worked for him. And uh, you know, success story there. They were about a three million dollar company. Uh, we grew the company to about ten to thirteen million wow. in the duration of time that I was there. And not not to you know pat myself on the back a little bit, but when a company grows. It's sales, and uh, the the phone needed to ring, 
right? And someone needed to pick it up and say, hey, yep, we'll send someone out to your house to give you a quote or sell you something. And my job was to make the phones ring and I was really good at it. And so obviously, I mean, I ran a whole advertising agency, so I knew advertising pretty well. So doing advertising for one specific client that I already helped, um, you know, made it a little bit easier to transition into that. But yeah. uh, it was tough though, because it was still, I mean, we family our size, it, it wasn't cutting it. So there were several years, there were years and years of still struggle. Um, right. Still, still. Yeah. And that was in what year was what year was that that you ended up getting the the job? Let's see. Um, uh, let's see. I closed, that was uh, 08 National Recession, so nine. So I was around two, probably around uh, year 2009, 2010. Um, about about that time is when I started working for uh, that company. Okay. And and how long did you stay with them? So. I was there for a total of 13 years. Wow. Um, yeah, I was, I'm a, I'm a really loyal guy. I'm, I'm just, I'm almost as loyal as they come. Um, and uh, there was a little bit of a growth opportunity while I was there, um, but it was 13 years. Uh, it was, you know, it was stable. Um, that, and, that, but that math doesn't add up. It's only 2021. Yeah, maybe I got the number. Yeah, shave a couple years at. Now, just full disclosure, I did have a stroke on July 1st at 19, so sometimes I'm kind of like, uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes I get the math. So maybe about a decade, maybe 10 years. Maybe maybe it was 10 years that I was there. Okay. But it was, it, yeah, maybe about a decade. It, okay. was, it was it was a nice, it was a nice run. It was, yeah. it wasn't a couple years. <laughs> so, so, so you had a stroke in 19 two years ago mm -hmm. almost exactly two years ago mm -hmm. um that had to create a whole new set of challenges i would imagine it uh it was you know it was one of those so back when i was running the advertising agency you know one of the things that you don't do it'd be a great book you know definitely take care of your health i'm sure there were books that are written i just didn't read any but you know <laughs> i'm sure there's books out there i just didn't read them but yeah right you know when you're running a business and you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to grow i mean i didn't put my oxygen mask on first i mean i was not taking care of myself health wise uh you know i was eating working late and eating fast food on the way home so i was about close to 400 pounds i was a really 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 big guy wow. and so years and years and years and years of abuse of high blood pressure, high blood sugar. Um, eventually your body's like, you know, okay, I can't do yeah. this anymore. Um, so July of, this is all an interesting thing that part of my story, which I know you're going to, I know we're going to talk about relationships and things like that. There's an interesting thing of why I survived that stroke. Um, but so yeah, it was another one of those scary times in my life. I mean, you know, as men, you try and control everything and you're trying to control everything yeah. that you're going through. And that's something you don't have control over. You know, your, your body's doing something and you don't have anything to do to be able to control it. So, so when the moment you had the stroke, were you at home? Were you? I was at the grocery store and I was with my wife and Previous to that, I was treating 
myself or what I thought was a pinching nerve. And I'd have these numb sensations that would happen on the left side of my body. And I was going to a chiropractor for it, thinking that it was a pinched nerve issue and all that, those different things. And so um, actually what it was, was mini strokes that were happening. The vessel in my brain was closing, but hadn't closed completely. So oh, wow. The the first big one was when I was at a grocery store and just from my foot all the way up to, from my foot to my shoulder, my body went numb. And you're like, holy crap, what just happened? Um, of course, then it affects your breathing, your heart rate, and you're freaking out. Um, so I went to this, I went to the emergency room and the doctor said, you didn't have a heart attack. So we're going to send you home. They didn't do a CT scan of my brain. So I went to my family doctor the next week and told him what had happened. And he goes, they let you leave the emergency room without scanning your brain. I mean, if you just go to Google and type in my what happened to me, word for word, the first thing that comes up is not cancer, which is usually the first thing that pops up. Yeah, right. It says stroke. And um, they didn't do a CT scan. So my doctor ordered a CT scan. And I was going through an insurance change at the time. And I had to delay the MRI by a week. And during that delay, uh, I was home and it did it again. But this time, the numbness didn't go away. It stayed. Like oh. the numbness came. It wasn't, wow. par it wasn't paralysis. It just felt like your arm fell asleep. Your leg fell asleep, <clears throat> left side. So it stayed. It didn't go away. Wow. So I called my doctor and he said, go to the emergency room. So I went to the emergency room. I was there 45 minutes. They did a quick scan of my head and said, you've had a major stroke and here's where it is. And and um, so uh, wow. remind me to tell you, I mean, I know we're going to talk about, I know we're talking about, we're going to talk about relationships. I, there's a really neat part to that story of my stroke. And if you want, I can tell it. So, no. so here's the interesting, I mean, relationships, and I'm not just, I'm not trying to segue into this, but it's such a big part of this. Uh, relationships are so important to me and connecting with individuals and building a relationship with someone on a human level first, not with anything. Hey, you know, it's like, like, Ken, it's like when me and you met, it was like, Oh, I really want to be able to do a joint venture with Ken. Sometimes like that wasn't the thought. The thought process was here's an amazing individual. I would really like to get to know them. I would like them to get to know me and I'd like to establish a friendship. So when I worked for that company for almost a decade, I researched about marketing and learning new ways to do digital marketing. And I Googled something one day and up pops, up, up, <laughs> up pops Russell Brunson. And I'm like, oh, this seems interesting. So I clicked on it. And I think it was one of his webinars or whatever that was like an hour long or something. I watched the whole thing. And that pulled me into his digital marketing world. And I started to get to know and follow Russell Brunson. And then I started following the people that follow Russell, uh, you know, like his good friend, Dave Woodward and, you know, all these other people that were big fans and worked with Russell or followed Russell or were friends with Russell. So I started following all those people and Russell has an event every year called Funnel Hockey Live. And my company that I was working for at the time paid for me to go to this. And the reason I went to all these things is so I could learn new marketing, uh, digital online 
marketing tactics to help the digital marketing at the company I was at. Yeah. So the cool thing about it was I'm learning all this great stuff for the business that I'm working for, but I'm also learning all of this stuff and I'm meeting all of these people and making all these connections. So I went to several of the events, started networking with all these people. I say that all, I say all that to say this, I met a guy by the name of Wallace Nelson and Wallace Nelson was in very affiliated with the click funnels community and the inner circle. And Wallace said, Christopher, I want to get you healthy. And so I'm going to put you into my, I have a beta program that I'm launching called Vitavore. It's a health and wellness program. I want to put you in it. I'm not going to charge you for it. Reason he didn't charge me for it is him and I became acquainted. We we're friends and that's what friends do for each other. Hey, let me do this for you. And that's why it's important to build relationships with some people are just like, Hey, let me help you with this. Right. Um, so he put me in this program. I'd lost about 130 pounds. Uh, I was getting healthy, healthier. And I had my stroke. But the thing is, the doctor sat on the edge of my bed and said, whoever got you into that program, because I, mean, I think my wife had told him about what I had done as far as starting to get healthy. He's like, send him a Christmas card every year, a birthday card, because if you had not lost all that weight and gotten healthy, this stroke could have been catastrophic. Uh, your wife would be a widow and your kids would be fatherless. So the, the thing that's amazing is I never would have crossed paths with Wallace Nelson if I had not first crossed paths with Russell Brunson. So right. if there's two people in my life that I'm extremely grateful for, it's those two, number one, Russell Brunson, number two, Wallace. I mean, I can say um, we were, uh, Russell Brunson was wrestling um, at some tournaments down in Florida. Uh, he still wrestles in adult tournaments. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. And I went down with my son, who's a wrestler, uh, a junior wrestler in high school, so that he could see Russell wrestle and we can hang out and, and enjoy ourselves. And, this was uh, like two weeks ago. Yeah, it was like two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. I know. I saw. I, I was like, dude, wait a minute. That I was watching your stories on Facebook, and I'm like, <laughs> wait, wait, that's Russell Brunson. Like you're just taking random photos of you guys eating, and I'm like. Is that it is that's Russell Brunson. <laughs> Holy crap. Just hanging out at Joe's Crab Shack or wherever you were. <laughs> I'm like, wow. That was incredible. It was so fun for my son because you know, he goes, Dad, when I'm in my 40s, not disclosing Russell's age, <laughs> but he goes, Dad, when I'm in my 40s, I want to wrestle. I still want to be going to tournaments when I'm an older guy. Notice I said older guy yeah yeah <laughs> i mean there were guys there in their 60s they had a 60 60 year olds and almost 70 year old guys that were wrestling greco wrestling it was hilarious but wow uh, but spencer got to see someone that's a successful entrepreneur doing yeah very well in business a family man still taking care of his body so it was a great role model for my son and the coolest thing about that whole thing is spencer after so the first day was beach wrestling so they made these rings on the beach these circles and yeah. Russell was wrestling other guys in his age in this ring on the beach in the sand. And, and someone would take a face plant and they come up and they have sand all over their face. And, and uh, now when I went to Florida though, 
you know, see, because this thing, I'm not one of those guys. You know, like some people are like, hey, I'm going to watch Russell Brunson wrestle and, uh, you know, and the, the highlight. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I when I was doing my Instagram stories, at first I was like, hey, I'm going to see a friend of mine wrestle in Florida and I'm taking my son with me. And yeah. everyone's like, well, who are you going to see wrestle? I'm like, just, 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 a, just a friend of mine. And of course, when we were there, it's like, uh, we were walking down the beach. I'm like, hey, Russell, you mind if I, you know, he's like, hey, here's where we're going to wrestle. I was like, <laughs> and Russell's like, hey, we're going, you know, so it's kind of, but, yeah. but, you know, being able to, being able to be there and just hang out. But I, it gave me a moment that I'd never had before because, you know, when you go to an event, it's hard for Russell to move around because everybody wants to meet him, talk to right. him. I mean, he's an amazing, he's an amazing guy. Um, and he's changed a lot of lives. But when I was standing there on the beach, he was waiting to wrestle. And we were kind of like on the berm near the sea, the seagrass. And we yeah. were watching all the camera stuff. Um, just to make sure no one stole it, and while every you know his his, his uh, wrestling trainers were with him and stuff. But anyway, doesn't have any other story. I was able to look him in the face and say, "Hey, Russell, I want to tell you. I don't think I've ever really had this opportunity to tell you this, and I I, I want to say I'm that. Really uh, really sorry about that. I got to turn the. I'll explain yeah, why. Yeah. I'll explain why that just went off. But uh, funny story. But anyway, I was able to tell Russell, thank you. <clears throat> if I never would have met you, if I never came into your world, I never would have met Wallace Nelson. And Wallace Nelson put me in this program. I lost weight. And I looked at Russell and I said, I just, I'm ever grateful for you because you saved my life. Me knowing you, and me wow. connecting with you, and you allowing me to be able to connect with all the amazing people that are connected with you saved my life. And of course, you know, he's an extremely humble person and as of the type that doesn't, you know, complimenting him, just like, no, stop talking about me. Uh, but it was, a, <laughs> you know, but it was, I was really glad I was able to have that moment to just to be able to say to him without anybody else around, without any distractions, you know, thank you. Um, and I want to tell, I want to tie that in. I want to tie this whole, I'll tie this all into one more thing, but Spencer got to wrestle Russell so my son, that's a junior in high school that finished fourth in the state in his weight class as a junior during COVID in a shortened season. He's a right. stud. Um, him and Russell. So after all the wrestling was done and they everyone's packing up, Spencer and Russell got to wrestle each other. It was it was awesome. It was like the biggest highlight for Spencer because um, he knows a lot about Russell for me and my association with him and talking about him and being a part of the click funnels community. Yeah. So anyway, Spencer got to wrestle him and it was a lot of fun. It was super cool. Yeah. Uh, but That's I want to say, Ken, when I was in my bed, hooked up to these machines, my wife sitting in the hospital room and I just had a stroke. I just recorded the video, the emotional video to my kids that if I had another stroke and died, something happened, there was that last video that my kids had from their dad. I'm wow. able to say that without totally losing it. A little bit of right now, but I'm gonna push through it. Um, wow. So I just recorded that video and my wife had my phone and she can, she was trying to convince me to take my phone back. And I'm like, you respond to any text messages. If anyone's asking about how I'm doing, could you please do it for me? I'm in no place to do this. And after some convincing, she got me to take my phone. She says, you got a text message. You want to read it? And I'm sitting in my bed and I'm looking up at my phone. I don't recognize the phone number. And I click on the text 
and the text says, Christopher, I'm so sorry about what happened to you. I got, I heard what happened and we're praying for you. We're praying for your family. Please let us know if we, anything we can do. Russell Brunson. Wow. And I'm like, I mean, you know, when you're like at the lowest point, I mean, it was a near death experience for me. Um, it's serious, but somebody that I was associated with that knew me. And the only reason he knew me is because I reached out to him and got to know him. I took the time to get to know him. I got the time to say, Hey, look, I'm so grateful for you and care about you. And you mean a lot to me and everything you've done for me. Thank you. Um, he turned around and reached out to me. Now, I don't know how he got my phone number. And then after that, I got a second text and a third text. and a fourth Dude, text. he's Russell Brunson. <laughs> <laughs> he's got, he's got everybody's phone number. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm Somewhere you opted into something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I never, I never, I never, I never thought about that, but yeah, you know what? I was a click funnels. <laughs> subscribers so he probably was able to go in the database and get yeah. a phone number that was on file but but wow. you know him and all the people after him that were texting me so i was kind of like the number was being passed um other people reached out to me and it was great i mean dave woodward and steve larson and just all these people that those of you in the clickfunnels community already know some of these names yeah the point is i was in need at that period of time and without me asking those people were like, Hey, we're here for you. And, and that's what it's all about. And so I just, to kind of close the circle on that whole thing, if I never would have met Russell, I never would have met Wallace. I never would have met all these people. And here's the other thing too. We wouldn't be doing this interview. I wouldn't be talking to you. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just funny how everything connects and compounds and, People just need to understand the importance of connecting because at the end of the day, it's what it, it's everything. I, and I think, and, and, you know, I think, um, and, and for those that don't know what ROAR stands for, it's return on relationships. And I think that, and that's your business and, and I, and it's, it's my business too. I just don't call it ROAR, but I, I, I gotta say that, um, you know, I, I find it, I posted literally before I, our interview, I posted a, um, a thing. I, I mean, I'm connected to, I mean, Robbie Summers now is a, one of my dearest friends. I love that dude. And awesome, he's dude. the VP of sales at, at ClickFunnels. And I, I've, you know, Mark Victor Hansen and Grant Cardone and some amazing connections that I've made um, that I'm so grateful for. And, and one thing that I, I, I had this happen this morning, it happens every day, but, you know, especially somebody will send me a LinkedIn friend request or connection request. And, and then immediately they hit me up with, oh, I'd love to have a, a meeting with you. And, and they're trying to find a position to, to, to sell me their, their whatever. And it's like, dude, you're doing it wrong. You're do I, un trust me. I understand of all people on planet earth, I understand. And so does Christopher, how important it is to have money and make sales. I get that. I totally get that. But if you're trying to make sales and, and, and via social media, especially, and you're not 
some way trying to establish a, a connection before you ever talk about your business. And I mean, long before you ever talk about your business, I personally think you're doing it wrong. I just do. And I don't think that there's long-term sustainability in cold messaging people on LinkedIn. No, no, it, it's just, it's not real. And, you know, some of the best partnerships and friendships have produced some of the most amazing companies. Some of the most amazing ventures started out with two people chit-chatting and becoming friends. And then some click like, funnels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. <laughs> click funnels. And, and, oh, I don't know, this little company called Apple, um, <laughs> Google, Google. Microsoft, uh, you know, I mean, so uh, again, it's, it's, and, and we, we could give thousands and thousands of examples, but at the end of the day, it's, it is, I, I can see that about you. Now, when I, when I got the first delivery of the, um, what's it called again? Not, I keep wanting to call it club soda, but it's ginger ale, lemonade, ginger ale. lemonade flavor. And by yeah. the way, those you're watching, don't send Ken any more of that because he's got plenty of oh it. my gosh i just got another delivery recently pick so, another flavor you know i think that that you know my first thought was what does this guy want and and but then i read the note and and it was you know wow what you guys did for me that night on clubhouse and and i was like wow what a great guy what a great way to just say thank you and and acknowledge and 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 dude i think what you're doing is absolutely incredible look my wife loves and so does my daughter they love that ginger ale dude. <laughs> they, do. they love it i do too and and i i think that you know i i'd like like for you to talk a little bit about the relationships and how roar all came about sure i'd love to i'd love to and you know um, and we're we're five minutes over right now, but that's okay. We can we can wrap up here in a few, but but talk a little bit about that. I'll try and do, I'll do the speed round, speed version. Um, you know, real quickly, where it all came from was I learned this since I, I was a kid. So I, I was a mama's boy, and I would tag along with my mom everywhere. And I remember going to the bank with my mom and her dropping off fruit cakes and treats on the holidays, and her dropping off treats not on the holidays or perfumes for the ladies, the, the tellers at the counter or uh, a tie for the bank manager or bank president or owner. And so my mom walked in one time and I know she had this check that she had to get, she had to get cashed. Now, back in the olden days, you couldn't type the, you couldn't scan the check into a computer and it would go, it would tag the other bank and see if the funds were available. You know, can I cash this $10,000 check? Uh, is it good? Back then, they would have to get on the phone, call the other bank and say, hey, I have a check uh, made out to, you know, Carol Voss. It's on this person who is a member at your bank. Are there funds in their account that can cover this large check? Well, they couldn't get a hold of the bank person at the other bank to verify it. So the woman got off the phone, walked around the counter, went over the, you know, the guy back in the day, the guy behind the big desk. Uh, usually was the bank president or owner because bank back then banks were small. There weren't global banks. Right. And she walked over to his desk and I heard her talking to him. And then I heard these words out of his mouth. Anything for Mrs. Voss. 
Wow. She walked back around, went back around the counter. I'm standing there next to my mom. You know, I'm just, just can see over the top of the counter uh, at the bank. And she said, Mrs. Voss, would you like that in big bills or small bills? And they were, they were cashing a check that they did not know that there were funds available on the other side. But the reason they did that though, was because my mom and the credibility that she had with everybody there and the relationships she's built with all of them there, they knew the type of person she was and they knew that they could trust her. And that's what it all comes down to is, you know, who, who knows you, who likes and trusts you, who knows you. And so ROR was started return on relationship. Uh, Dave Woodward actually was talking about, let's see if I can point to it. It's over here, right here in the back. It says ROI versus ROR. Mm -hmm. And Dave Woodward did a Facebook live talking about what's your return on investment versus your return on relationship. And I was like, that's really cool. And so that was created, which I still think is still sitting on his desk. And that's where ROR came from. And then I created the logo. But in the logo, you have two arrows that are going around in a circle. Yep. You got two hands shaking in the middle. I guess there are two. And so when there's a proper ROR, when there's a return on relationship, the relationship and the opportunities are infinite. And that's why I have those circles going round and around. Because if there is a good ROR, it is never ending and it's it keeps going and going. And so the most important thing that people need to understand is they need to dig their well before they're thirsty. Yep. There's going to be an opportunity in your life. There's going to be a situation in your life where you have a business opportunity or a business need or a personal need. And they say, dig your well before you're thirsty. Uh, if you wait until you're thirsty to start digging your well, uh, you know, you're going to dehydrate and you're going to pass out. Um, Dale Carnegie, those of us know who he is, love yeah. his quotes. Dale Carnegie, and I like to change this, but Dale Carnegie says, you can gain more friends in two months by paying attention to them than spending two years having them pay attention to you. Yep. And so I like to take out the word friends and put in, you know, podcast interviews, joint ventures, partnerships. You can gain more podcast interviews, partnerships, JVs, whatever, by spending two months showing interest in others than spending two years trying to get people interested in you. And that's what people do nowadays is it's all about, hey, pay attention to me, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. It's like, no, 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 no. You pay attention to other people. You reach out to them. You show gratitude. You connect with them. And if you do that, that's where you get the real influence. That's where you get the real connections. I mean, I know, Ken, you you have some really super amazing, powerful friends that are dear friends of yours, and it's all because of the relationship building that you've done. And so I'm passionate about this. Yeah, I teach it. I want people to learn it because if they do, sky's the limit on what you can do with your business. Sky's the limit on there's life. I, I think I think you know, and and Grant Grant Cardone is a a one of my my top mentors, <clears throat> and um, you know I think about what he did on Undercover Billionaire. I don't know if you watched that or not, but it holy awesome. crap! And and he you know. Like the very first night he needed a place to sleep, he goes to the RV place and his, his approach wasn't, you know, Hey, what can you do for me? His approach was, what can I do for you 
to earn the right to ask what you can do for me. Like, what, what can I do for you? Can I sweep up around here? Can I clean? Can I do, you know? And he said this one quote that I'll never forget. Contacts turn into contracts. Contacts turn into contracts. What can you, and, and there are so many people, this is what I teach in my academy. Like there are so many freaking people that want everybody to know who they are and how cool they are and what they, and you know, and it's like, dude, no, you've got it wrong, man. You've got it wrong. If yep. look right here, this is from directly from Zig Ziglar's little book of big quotes. You open up the front flap and it says, you can have everything in life you want if you will just help enough other people get what they want. And God, if people would get that, this would be a much better world to live in. That's awesome. I love that quote. That is a really good quote, too. Love it, that. It, it really is, man. I think that and and again, you know, you're you're um you're you're living proof of that. Literally living. Proof. Yes. Yes. Because if it weren't for connecting with Russell Brunson and then connecting with the other dude and then losing all of the weight and getting your health in line and and when you when you had your stroke, you would have died. And 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 left your wife to figure out what the heck she's gonna do with nine kids all by herself. Yeah. And, and so that's the value. That's the importance of building relationships. And, and I love what you're doing, bro. I love what you're doing. I, 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 um, you know, I thought I was pretty good at sending out gifts and stuff <laughs> until I freaking met you. I'm like, good <laughs> Lord have mercy. So dude, you're, you're a rock star. I'm honored to call you a friend. Um, I, I can't wait to see where, where this goes. My wife just said it a little bit ago. Um, we definitely want to meet you and the entire team, um, in, in Toledo and we'll, we'll, we'll have dinner and break bread together and, um, and, and, and go Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, I was, man. I'm not that cheap. I was thinking, I was like, cool, I don't have to buy my kids dinner. I was like, wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> Dang, we're going Dutch. And you know what's funny? I know what you mean by that. Uh, <laughs> I am Dutch. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Boss is Dutch. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, dude. <laughs> That's so awesome. Listen, man, I'm very grateful that you um you you came on here today and, Thanks for having and me. I'm I'm honored, man. We're gonna do some great things together. I, I I just feel it, man. I know it. So I'm grateful for you. Thank you for coming on and being so transparent and and opening up and sharing your story. Cause you know what? Listen, look. She said he is kidding. I am kidding. Um, but the you know, I, I think people need to know that you know, we all go through the hard stuff in yeah. life. We all go through the hard stuff and and it's okay. And if Christopher doesn't have a website, I'm gonna be incredibly disappointed. What's your what's your website? Roruniversity.com. Roruniversity.com. Let me, I'm going to put that up on the screen. R-O-R-University.com. That's where, that's where everyone can learn about 
the ROR method. That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. Everybody go sign up for ROR University and learn from the man himself there. My wife typed it in as well. Um, dude, you rock. You're awesome. And you have Russell Brunson's cell phone number. <laughs> you know, all of you that are marketers, when I was in my bed, that people laugh. The first thing that popped in my head after like my heart was warm that he reached out, I'm like, holy crap. I've got his phone number. I've never used it. I've never texted him because <laughs> I'm very respectful of that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that did cross my mind. You're like, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. yeah I, I have Robbie Summers' cell phone number, and I guarantee you there's been times when he's thought, why did I give him my cell phone number? <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Summers, if you're watching, send me a message. I want your cell phone number. <laughs> <laughs> you're awesome, dude. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who's watched and shared this out. I see that uh, Ernest O'Dell and Robert Brooker and Scott Ricard all shared this out. So thank you, you guys, for sharing this. And if you haven't shared it yet, there is time to redeem yourself and, and, and go on ahead and share this on out so everybody can be inspired by, by Christopher's amazing, amazing message. You're, you're, you're awesome, dude. So thank you. I appreciate it. Stay with me. Don't hang up. I'm going to end the live stream, though. So everybody go over to RORUniversity.com. Make sure you're following Christopher Voss everywhere, especially Clubhouse. He's, he's big time on Clubhouse and, um, and, and Instagram. So, Christopher, thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate being here. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you, guys. We'll see you later.